This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. How many love Jesus? You love Him? All right. I love Him too. Big shout out to Elk River, Maple Grove, Emmanuel at home. It's great to be in summer, and we're in brand new summer hours. It was one year ago, the first Sunday of June, that we reopened after the lockdown and the pandemic, and we had to go to three services. And uh, today, we moved back to two services in Spring Lake Park, and I am the happiest person in the planet. I'm only speaking twice on Sunday now. It's like chill. I had so much time between services. I was like hanging out with people. What's up, you know? And uh, before I had to like run out and come back in and run out and come back in. And uh, so it's just so great to be back together again. Of course, the weather does certain things to us as well as we get to relax and chill. And you've got a lot of different plans that are going on. Um, We're starting a brand new series uh, as we move into the summer, and it's called The Book of Mark, and we're looking at uh, the activity of Jesus in this particular gospel, and to get us started, I wanted to ask you a question. If you were to visit any event in world history, what would you visit? I mean, what would you go see? I mean, uh, there's so many that I've thought of that over time I would do. One would be like the, de- the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I'd be like, I would be like in the room there in Philadelphia, just looking around the table, seeing, oh, that's John Adams and, you know, just different people. Well, they were literally signing uh, a death threat for themselves if they would lose. But they said, we're all in, and we're all the beneficiaries of people signing that Declaration of Independence. Or how about the moment uh, when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, and he was the first human being on there, and he had that one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And I, you know, I could imagine myself, I could visit that, and here I am on the moon with them. You know, I'm in the story, watching and observing. I know that there's plenty of, you know, the day of uh, conspiracy theories and all that. Some people are like, that picture, that's not even real. Well, I just would wish I could have been there uh, to see what was going on at that moment. Here's the thing. When you're in the moment, these epic moments of history change, something powerful happens as you think about it. We have the same opportunity to step into those events in biblical history, to imagine yourself engaged in the scriptures, to imagine yourself a part of this, or imagine being there for the crossing of the Red Sea when Israel crossed over and and Moses' arms went up and the water split. Can you imagine walking through there or or the birth of Jesus being there with with Mary as the Son of God was born and, and to experience the moment of it. Or how about the resurrection of Jesus to actually have been there when the the stone was rolled away from the tomb and and there comes Jesus. He's already, he's gone now and there's there's an empty tomb and you're the first person there. Can you imagine being there for those kind of moments? Well, this is what I want you to consider this summer is we're going to visit the stories of Jesus as told in the book of Mark. 
And each week we're encouraging everyone to read the assigned chapters on your own, to think about and read those. And we're only gonna be able to cover some of those stories uh, when we go into a given weekend. And you can stay connected by coming to church and reading and all of that, but some of you might go on vacation or go on trips or whatever and you're not able to make it. You can go on your app and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had the Emmanuel app, but if you pulled up the Emmanuel app, it's pretty cool. You can give access to what's going on in the church. Our message notes on Sunday morning, you get those even right now if you wanted to, if you want to download it from the app store. But here's the idea. You stay connected to the rest of the church. We're all gonna walk where Jesus walked, experience what Jesus experienced. And today we're gonna take our first steps into the epic story of Jesus as told by the author Mark. Now Mark is one of four books the book of Mark, four gospels. And if some of you might not be aware of that, that they're all four stories about the same person, but told from a different vantage point. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, were all stories about Jesus and his lifetime. We're gonna focus in on Mark's account today. And Mark has a particular audience in mind. His audience are the Roman people. Now, Romans were not from Israel. They were from another land, thousands of miles away. So they didn't have experiences the same way as maybe a Jew did growing up in Israel. So Mark will tell the story to a group of people who also respected action. The Romans respected people that did things, moved things. They conquered a lot of nations. They were a brutal people. So when Mark writes the account of Jesus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's talking to them so, so they could wake up and realize, we're not talking about an, uh, a stationary idol. We're not talking about a, a mythic, ancient, historic God that isn't real now. No, we're talking about somebody that's actually moving and active in the earth today. Mark was, uh, most of the early church um, agreed that his name was John Mark, and his mother's um, Mother Mary's home was a meeting place for the early believers in the book of Acts. So he would become a part of the story of the New Testament church as it grew um, in the book of Acts, and he was a part of all that. And he writes thinking back to the story. He writes backward from the church. So he has something fresh to tell us, but the Holy Spirit illuminates us, illuminates it to him. And he writes that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's go to Mark chapter one, starting with verse one. You're gonna see that he calls him the son of God right out of the gate. It says, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. So Mark starts his story differently than the other gospels will have all the begats and the, the lineage and all of those things and, and the story of Jesus' birth. That's not how Mark starts. Mark starts by talking about how there's a, a history to this, a backstory, if you will. And he alludes to the prophet Isaiah talking about John the Baptist preparing the way. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, but it was prophesied in the Old Testament. Here's what you need to know as we step into Mark. Mark is letting his audience know. He's letting Emmanuel know, okay? He's letting us know today 
There's more to the story than what you see. It started a long time ago. And there's a backstory. So every time the Spirit of God moved in the Old Testament, and you see prophets communicating for God, you see some miracles and big miraculous things happen in the Old Testament, you see the stories of the Old Testament, they all lead up to this moment. And Mark starts with this by saying, and part of that included somebody preparing the way. So right before Jesus comes onto the public scene, John the Baptist goes out and he's pronouncing things and he's fulfilling that particular promise from Mark chapter one, verse three. So let's go on to verse seven. It says, John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now this is a really cool moment and I'll talk about it a little bit more, but Jesus is announced right away there in John, or in Mark, Mark chapter one, verse seven. It says that Jesus, through the mouth of John the Baptist, is gonna do things and he's not gonna be like the Old Testament prophets who just received the Spirit and did things for God. No, Jesus is going to have the Spirit and he's going to activate and baptize others in the Holy Spirit. In other words, what Jesus does isn't just about Jesus, it's also about you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's also about you. Jesus moves. He moves into the picture. He moves into the world. Jesus is really on the move. And I want to give you today three ways to notice Jesus in Mark, okay? Three ways to, to notice him. And, uh, and you'll see how this applies to your life. The first one is this. Jesus is on the move. You need to notice that he's active and activating throughout all of the book of Mark. Jesus isn't just stationary. Mark shows him as moving. He, he takes you on a road, if you will, on the road in Mark chapter 1 and 2. Starts off in verse 10. He baptizes people. It says in verse 10, as Je or he got baptized. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me grace joy. So Jesus, his first activity is to step in and be baptized. He didn't have to be baptized. He didn't have to be baptized from sin or anything else, but he chose willing to, willingly to be baptized. John the Baptist baptizes him. When he comes up, the Father speaks. Can you imagine being there at that moment? And the Father speaks, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, he's got the endorsement of God of the Old Testament. God is there, right there, okay? And then the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit is now going to empower him. Now, I want you to put your seatbelts on because Mark now throws us into drive. Not only did Jesus receive something, he's now going to move. Jesus moves. Everybody say that with me. Jesus moves. He moves, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 1. He moves him out there. Other Gospels will tell you the fuller story of what happened while he was in the, in the wilderness. And then Jesus comes out of the wilderness in verse 15, 
starts preaching. We're only 15 verses into the whole book here, and now Jesus is preaching. Look what Jesus begins to say in verse 15. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So Jesus, when it's time for him to say something, he says, listen, the kingdom of God is close by, it's near. It's not distant, it's not on the other side of the planet, it's not far away. His message was, the kingdom and all its benefits are here and available to you right now. And he says there's only two things that you gotta do to receive the kingdom of God. You have to believe and you have to repent, okay? You have to believe he's the son of God. You have to believe that he's, he's real. You have to believe in the truth of the scripture. You actually have to believe in the stuff, all right? If you're gonna get the kingdom, you gotta believe in the king of the kingdom. But he says this, you also have to repent. To repent is to turn away from whatever else you were doing and begin to follow the kingdom. So in order for you and I to receive the kingdom, we have to believe and repent. We have a challenge in modern America where we vacillate from one end to the other. Some people, they are so into repentance and feeling sorry for what they did wrong that they spend all their time apologizing and feeling worthless. That's not the gospel of the kingdom, okay? But here's the challenge. If you don't believe when you're repenting and you're saying sorry and you're cutting off bad things and you've repented in that sense, but you don't believe that Jesus will make you new, that he's given you gifts, that he will give you love, peace, joy, peace, and all the, the fruits of the spirit, all that stuff that's available for you. If you don't believe in those things and you stay in a place where you're only just feeling sorry, you don't get the joy of the kingdom. And so you can't get stuck only there. Now the other end of the pendulum though, however, is I can get all the stuff and I don't need to repent. And there's a whole gospel, a, a gospel of society right now that you can do whatever you want. You can name your own gender. You can name your own righteousness. You can name what you want to be. You can identify however you want. And God loves everybody because love is love. So I don't need to go into the repentance route. I want the kingdom, and all I want to do is just believe. No, 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 no. Jesus is the one that stepped in and said, if you want the kingdom, you've got to repent, turn away from those other things, and then you've got to believe. Come on, somebody. If you want the kingdom, you've got to have both those things. I could preach a whole message on that today, but I'm not going to. Because Jesus is moving. He's not stopping there. If you keep going to verse 16, it says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets, and he called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now this is where we see Jesus move beyond just 
him being active, he's now moving to activate others. He's activating others to move with him. He walks up to these people on their job. I want you to imagine with me Jesus showing up at your job. Because he's not, he's not stationary in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning. Jesus wants to move into other spaces that we're not accustomed to. So what would happen if Jesus showed up? Well, Jesus will show up and he will boop, activate you. So he's not just showing up to be Jesus, look at me, worship me. No, what he's doing is he's showing up to boop, activate you. Because you and I need to be activated outside the sanctuary. We need to be activated and understand that Jesus wants to move through our lives. The disciples, those early disciples, were fishermen on the job. Now Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of people. Come and follow me. And they left their nets and they began to follow Jesus. He was activating them to do something. Now I'm not saying that you need to leave your job today. But I am saying this, you better be following him in your job. There has to be a realization that Jesus isn't just called me to make a, a, a paycheck and let my Christianity be at church. No, Jesus wants you to be his disciple at work. Jesus, how do you want me to build a business? Jesus, how do you want me to work with my coworkers? Jesus, how do you want to help? Some of you are like, Pastor Nate, it's been a pandemic, and it's been great because I got to work from home. You still got to ask him at home, Lord, how do you want me to work at home even when nobody's looking? Come on, somebody. How do you want me to, I want to follow you. So Jesus is on the move here. We're only a few verses into this whole book of Mark, and you're discovering that Jesus wants to activate you. And then Jesus wants to go on the road. He doesn't just stay in one spot. He begins to move to a region called Galilee toward people who are needing healing and deliverance. In chapter 1, verse 38, it says, but Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Here's the point. Jesus is not just going to sit still. He is going to go to where the people are. He wants to move toward the people. He may feel stationary, but listen, I want you to know, he wants to go after people. The kingdom of God is mobile. It's on wheels. And he isn't interested in only staying here. He wants to reach your neighborhood. He wants to reach the cities of the Twin Cities. He wants to go into spaces are underneath the bondage of other demonic strongholds. They don't even have the freedom that we have right now. Jesus wants to reach other people. Can I get an amen to that, church? And he's moving even when we don't see it. Two years ago, 2019, I got up at our vision night, which is our annual membership meeting. You should go next January. We were talking about vision for the year and what God is doing. If you want to know how to do it, go to growth track first, and then you'll figure it out from there. But here's, we're sitting there, and I felt like God had put on my heart that we were to have a, our next campus was going to be in prisons. 
How many were there? And you remember that. And I shared how God, and we even had a plan. We were working with an organization called God Behind Bars, and, and we met with uh, um, the state commissioner over all of the prison, prisons uh, in Minnesota. And I spent a lot of time uh, working on this, praying and asking God, you know, what are you gonna do? And then something happened. There were some uh, prison guards that were murdered at one of the prisons in Minnesota, and it, it really uh, shut down the whole state because guards started quitting. They were afraid for their life, and they, they had a shortage of, of guards in the prisons, so they stopped all outside groups from coming into the prisons. And so it was like, we got the, no, we can't have anybody in. And I thought, did I miss God? I was like, what's going on here? And then the pandemic hit. And so I was like, maybe the dream just went away. I, I really didn't know why it was happening. So here's, here's the cool thing. Just this week, I got on a Zoom call with a couple of my teammates with a group in Las Vegas who God has given a unique new idea to during the pandemic. And they've taken the technology and uh, put an app on uh, tablets or iPads or tablets. And those tablets, they've got arrangements with state prisons around the United States where they've got sermons on this app that are preloaded in. And they're concerned about security, of course, so they can't get to anything else. And they're now putting pastor's sermons on that app. They let me know on the call that they've watched my sermons and think it would be great if they could go into the prison that way. So, so Friday, we got the contract signed and we're gonna begin to have a manual in the prisons. There are over 80,000 tablets out there right now already. And be looking because we're gonna have some new Kingdom Builder projects. They're about 18 bucks a tablet. And I just believe that God is gonna put one of those tablets in every prisoner in Minnesota's hands. That God would use us to reach the next group of people. See, God is moving even when we don't see it. I thought it was one location. God thought of thousands of locations and thousands of people. If we trust him, Jesus is on the move. Secondly, Notice, Mark wants us to notice, that Jesus works under the surface. Jesus works under the surface. Verse 21 of chapter one says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teacher's of religious law. This is so interesting. Now the synagogues for the Jewish people uh, really emerged post-exile or during exile because they used to go worship in Jerusalem in the temple. But when they were in exile, they were in lands where they couldn't make it to the temple. So there are synagogues that are most like or most equal to our current day churches, okay? Now, they are, their worship is different, and what they do in the services are different, but essentially, the people would go into a synagogue, and they would have the teaching of the scripture in that synagogue, and there were local synagogues around the world. Jesus walks into this particular synagogue, 
And something is interesting. Mark wants us to know. Notice when a, like an, an author puts their own opinion into, into the text. The people viewed Jesus differently than every other teacher that ever had taught there. In other words, they were used to going through the motions and nothing ever stirred them. But now all of a sudden, somebody comes in and it says that he had real authority. Have you ever been sitting underneath somebody's teaching or they're speaking or they walked into the room and you're like, oops, somebody important just walked in. And it was almost like it evoked a response from the audience. Jesus speaks with authority. He has an anointing. He has a power over nature. He's healing people. We're already seeing this. Mark is wanting us to see and notice this. But what's different is people in their hearts and their minds are waking up when he speaks. And look at verse 23. It says, suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I have come have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This man who is possessed by an evil spirit is bothered by Jesus' authority. How long had this man attended without being bothered? How long had he come and nothing ever stirred him or stirred the demon in him? You can be in the church but not receiving what Jesus came to bring, church. And Jesus comes and when he speaks and when he moves, he's not just interested in your makeup or your hair or your Air Force Ones. He's interested in things that are underneath the surface. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He understands that you got some stuff going on up here. He's not willing for you to come and have him in your presence and have you leave unchanged. Jesus wants to deal with those things. Instead of grappling with anxiety, instead of grappling with depression, instead of wrestling all the time with the fighting that you've got going on on the inside of you, all that anger, all that frustration, all that worry, instead of you just sitting here and nodding and listening to the preaching on Sunday morning, when Jesus shows up, he wants to mess with that stuff up underneath the surface. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? See, Jesus has an authority that extends even into those spaces. In America, we're really good at what we present to others. We've kind of got Instagram living. We choose what we want other people to see. We choose, and we can even doctor up our photos to make us look better. And the image is what we want others to see. But Jesus is not just interested in your image. He's interested in the real you. And he wants you to be set free. When Jesus steps into this picture, there is a response. Now, I am not saying that everybody in here that's got stuff on the inside that you're demon-possessed. Please hear your pastor today. I'm saying this story illustrates what Jesus does. Jesus messes with the inside, what is underneath the surface. And he will always confront the status quo when it isn't under his authority. Here's some good news. 
The good news is if you have spiritual darkness pressing on you and controlling you, Jesus will interfere with Satan's plan. He will interfere. He will not let it go. Look at verse 25. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. I mean, when Jesus says be quiet, <laughs> be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came, it came out of him. Amazement gripped what? The rest of the audience. And they began to discuss what just happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you right now, if we could get in the presence of Jesus and let him speak with authority over our lives, over our families, nothing can stop what Jesus is going to do. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The good news. This is what Jesus was doing as he moved throughout the land. He was proclaiming the good news. He didn't let you stay where you were. Sometimes when we get bothered, we get poked or provoked. I don't like that pastor. He's always messing with me, stepping on my toes. Now, if I really stepped on your toes, you would hurt. I'm not a little man. <laughs> but I, I'm not as interested in Nate provoking you as the spirit of Jesus provoking you. When we read the scriptures and we're looking at the book of Mark, this isn't how good can Nate preach it. This is how, how, how can I know the real Jesus? How can I... Contact the one that does what I see in this scripture. How can I open the doors up so he can speak those words over my life? How he can speak those words over my family? How he can speak those words over my city? Here's the truth. We have no reason to fear. Jesus has all authority. And our job is to allow his authority to rule under our surface, in our hearts, in our church. I want you to repeat this after me and say it to Jesus. I invite you to interfere with my day. I invite you to interfere with my day. Third thing, notice that Mark would have us notice is that Jesus moves in and through your home. Jesus moves in and through your home. Look at verse 29 of Mark chapter 1. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. And so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. And then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Simon and Andrew are good people, right? They cared about their mother-in-law. All you that are mother-in-laws, hallelujah. Son-in-laws that care about me, right? But I want you to notice that their mother-in-law's sickness was not just an annoying thing at their house. That sickness was an opportunity for Jesus to come to their house. 
Those things that bother you in your home are not just problems to solve, they're opportunities for Jesus to step in. When you feel sickness or you have a friend that's going through something, it's not just a problem and a thing they're going through, it's an opportunity for Jesus to visit. Once you follow Jesus, the people in your home are candidates for Jesus to make a house call. Parents can do this. As we think about our children in the home and the support we want to bring, they're opportunities for Jesus to meet them. When you're raising kids, when you're raising teenagers, there's a lot of opportunities for Jesus to visit. Every time they, once they get their driver's license and they pull out of the drive, oh Jesus, let your kingdom be mobile. Protector. Let me give you five ways to see Jesus move in your home and see a miracle. First one is this. When in church receiving from Jesus, remember the people in your life who are not here. So you're worshiping the Lord, you felt God's presence, you're listening to the preaching of the word. While you're here, and you might be thinking about your brother who's away from Jesus, you might be thinking about your, your son who is not doing so well, you might be thinking about somebody that has an addiction or somebody that's way away from God. Remember them. Because you gotta think, Jesus isn't just here for me, Jesus is there for my home. Jesus is there for the people in my life. Number two, ask or pray for Jesus to move and visit them. Jesus, would you come over to my house? Jesus, would you not just be in the sanctuary at Emmanuel? Jesus, would you go mobile and reach my neighborhood? Ask or pray for Jesus to move and visit them. Number three, if you want to see a miracle in the home, consider hosting Jesus in your home. Consider hosting Jesus in your home. Why am I using this phrase? Because we don't often think about hosting him in our home. We don't think about the activity it takes to host. Just this week, we had a birthday celebration for one of our family members, and so we had different parts of our family coming, and Jody and I had a responsibility to feed the flock. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But we both worked all day long, and so we were hitting grocery stores and different things, and my responsibility when it comes to hosting in the summertime is I, it's the only time of year that I cook. Got a grill on the back deck, and I'm responsible to cook the hamburgers and the brats and the hot dogs. The rest of the year, it's Uber Eats, it's Taco Bell. That's the kind of cooking I do, right? I'm, I'm not a cook. So this week, I needed to prepare because we had over 20 people coming to our house, which meant I had to make a lot of hamburgers, cheeseburgers, and the like, and there was preparation responsibilities. I needed to make sure the grill was clean. I needed to make sure that all the hamburgers burger patties were made. I needed to make sure that everything was put together. And I had to prepare before they got there. I had to think about them coming. Once everything was on the grill and everything was ready to go, they were ready to eat when they came. So I needed to prepare. I needed to consider hosting. The responsibilities of a host are preparation. Jody, in her part, 
She's already perfect, so she didn't have to do anything. I'm just kidding. She's rushing around. She's just rushing around the house, cleaning up, dusting, making sure that everything looks presentable and music is on and everything is ready to go. And she's got other things that aren't on the grill that people are eating that she's getting ready. And we're hosting. Then once the doorbell rings, then we have a responsibility to greet people at the door, bring them in, not forget about them the whole time that they're there. Not just walk off and do my thing. No, I needed to host them from beginning to end. What would you do differently if Jesus came over to your house? Would you change things? Would you tidy up? How can you prepare Jesus to visit your family and friends? And is there anything that would get in the way Are we more used to hosting Netflix than we are Jesus? We're used to hosting other things than Jesus. When Jesus wants to do a miracle in our house. Can I get an amen? Number four, when Jesus comes, it's the problems, the sickness that become the platform. (laughs) So in this story, it's the problem that becomes a platform for the rest of the world. Look at verse 32, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and the whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. That miracle with the mother-in-law getting healed, the news spread. So the problem became the platform for what God was going to do in the rest of the town. For others to hunger to see Jesus around you, your personal transformation is what will get their attention. You know what, as a Christian, I deal with the same things as people who aren't Christians. Same temptations, same battles, same bills, all the same things. What makes me different? The grace of Jesus. That as I follow Jesus, somehow he helps me navigate the same things others don't have Jesus for. It's my own transformation, my attitudes, my ability to persevere, the fruit of the Spirit in my life that enables me to communicate the love of Jesus to others. Then they want what I have. The fifth thing is this, and I'm almost done. To have a miracle in the house, fight perfectionism. Don't be afraid to open up your home or your life to others. When people lean into you, they're leaning in to experience the presence of Jesus, not your perfection. Now, I realize right now I am confronting a Minnesota jurisdictional spirit. I can't have people over. My house isn't good enough. We don't have enough food. I'm embarrassed by our living room furniture. I don't want them to drive up and notice where I live. In Minnesota, Minnesota nice, one of the definitions is they'll give you directions to any place but your house. That's Minnesota nice. But if you want to see a miracle that impacts your family 
and the people outside your family, you gotta get over your own perfectionism and realize they're just gonna have to love me the way it is. I'm gonna have to love me the way it is. My parents, I couldn't come up with a better example than my mom and dad. Because from the time I was born, dang, I'm crying now, stop it, Nate. From the time I was born to this day, I have never seen a couple host more people no matter their circumstances. We lived in 21 different houses, apartments, duplexes, rental places growing up. My mom and dad have lived in multiple states at different times. They've had good houses and houses that nobody else wants. My mom, when she was a little girl, her family lived in a boxcar, a railroad boxcar turned into a house. They're grateful people. So their first thought when somebody drops by is, oh no, come back some other time. Come on in. There is no such thing as an inconvenient time for a follower of Jesus. Come on in. I'm hungry. My mom could make something out of nothing. We'd have nothing in the fridge or the cup. I don't know how she did it, but she made up meals. And I'm telling you, when you get rid of your perfectionism and you have the grace of Jesus on your life, where you're not hiding anything and you're not trying to present yourself as better than, something is so attractive to people that they want the Jesus that you have. Jesus is on the move. He's working under the surface and he will move in and through our home. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.